0: 10 a.m. in New York, 4 p.m. in Johannesburg, and 9 p.m. in Bangkok. Welcome to the Expat Happy Hour. This is Sunday Schneider-Bean from SundayBean.com. I'm a solution-oriented coach and intercultural strategist for individuals and organizations. And I am on a mission to help you adapt and succeed when living abroad and get you through any life transition. Polarization is defined as the division into two sharply contrasting groups or sets of opinions and beliefs. When I think of polarization right now, I think of screaming matches and preaching to the choir. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of fed up with that. It feels so futile like we're getting nowhere. We're just listening to ourselves speak and pointing our fingers at others. And I don't care what camp you're in and what you're talking about or what you're thinking about when you imagine polarized conversations that are going on. We're all guilty of it. We've all been there. Where we've had our way and we were stuck in our belief and that is right and they are wrong. Be honest. You know you've been there. I really feel like it's time for something different. There's this crazy vibe that I'm watching happen across the U.S. and Europe and and into other areas that I've loved and lived. And I'm looking for new ways of doing things, new conversations to have. So we're left not feeling angry or righteous, but left feeling new perspectives, understood, maybe even empathy, and a fresh perspective. I believe there is a better way. I believe we can do better. And... Today, I am honored to have two very special guests who have shown us one way to do better. In this episode of Expat Happy Hour, we are joined by Kath Brew, artist and author behind Drawn to a Story. You might know her from her book, Living Elsewhere, or from my podcast, number 68, Living Elsewhere with Kath Brew. Kath is Amazing at using illustrations to help us process the ups and downs of global living. We're also joined by Jerry Jones, one of my favorite expat writers, trainer and coach behind the culture blend. You might remember Jerry from episode 23, Life Transitions with Jerry Jones. Kevin Jerry stood up in Bangkok in front of hundreds of people at the Families in Global Transition Conference. We call it FIGT for short. They walked onto the stage, captivated our attention, moved me to tears, and brought the crowd onto their feet in a standing ovation. Today in Expat Happy Hour, I am proud to be able to share with you the audio of that event which led to the standing ovation and them role modeling how we can do better. I'm going to let you listen to their presentation of Unlikely Connections now. And afterwards, you'll hear them give the backstory that led to this event.
1: So my grandfather was a general Baptist pastor for 60 years and by the time I was 15, I knew that I was going to follow in his footsteps. By the time I was 18, I became a youth minister. By the time I was 23, I was ordained and for seven years after that, I senior pastored the church that I grew up in.
2: This is my wife, Bishop Angie. She's an Archbishop in the Liberal Catholic Church International for the province of Great Britain and Ireland and she's Commissary Bishop for Europe and Israel. In 2014, we were the first same-sex couple locally to upgrade, i say, our 2007 civil partnership to marriage. I met Jerry at FIGT last year. When he mentioned his church, I was instantly wary. With headlines like these, you learn to not out yourself to Christians until you know what flavor they are. I liked him, but he was still a Baptist, so I continued to use gender-neutral pronouns when referring to my spouse.
1: But it slipped out. And so I asked for a mercy umbrella, which simply means this, Hey, I'm a recovering Baptist pastor. And, um, so let's just assume that whatever I say next is probably going to come out wrong. So can we just start with mercy? And we did, and we went deep for four hours. It was intense. Everything was on the table. We talked about God and faith and politics and sexuality, and it was awkward and weird and rich and so good because on the very first night that we met, we laughed and cried like we'd been friends forever.
2: Jerry didn't talk of love the sinner, hate the sin, or offer to pray for me, which can often feel like a veiled a veiled judgment of pray away the gay. He was a refreshing change. He listened. He genuinely listened. He didn't apologize for his faith either, and he didn't need to, but he did say he was sorry. Before Jerry, I didn't rate Baptists at all highly. You can try to ignore the God hates fags from Westboro Baptist Church as it's so extreme, but you would still hear chats in cafes and you read the news. I had no time for Baptists who, for me, often use a literal reading of the Bible to bash us. Kids commit suicide because of this stuff.
1: For all of our lives, we've been looking at the same thing and seeing it through different lenses. And it's like the anthropologist of the 1950s says, we break things into three categories, scenery, machinery, and people. We do it with countries, we do it with cities, but we also do it with each other. We keep people out there just as something to look at or something to talk about until we need them and then we pull them in for our gain. But if we're not willing to make them people, then we keep them as less than human
2: the end of the evening I gave him a hug and a kiss on the cheek and said you can tell your wife you've now kissed the lesbian <laughs> and Jerry replied and you can tell yours you've kissed the Baptist <laughs> this set the tone of our friendship the magic of the conversation stayed with me for the rest of the conference and I was itching for more my life is now divided before Jerry and after Jerry this was the night after I'd spoken to him My spiritual friends relish the blending of our opposing camps. My gay friends are pleased but seem not quite convinced by my ease with the Baptist. As though I've been fooled and they're waiting till he shows his true colors. But I know that I love
1: him. So the next day I bought her book and she signed it and I said, "Uh, I'm going to need you to talk to my wife and convince her that you're a lesbian. Because I can't come home from The Hague with books that say thank you for a wonderful evening. (laughs) Which made me laugh too, but... (laughs) It opened up a whole new avalanche of what are they going to say? The other people, my people, my my wife handled it really well, but traditionally my people are much better at judging a hard situation than they are at interpreting it.
2: We started to email each other, sharing deep vulnerability of our histories, holes apart, but also lots of points of similarity. Whilst labels can be harmful, by standing in ours, we own them. We defined our label. This allowed us to be vulnerable and explore without fear.
1: And our emails broke me because because they stirred up memories of this kid who was a good kid but played Smear the Queer and Tag the Fag on the playground and at 14 wrote a horrible, dehumanizing song about homosexuals that ended in violence.
2: Our emails have unpacked a lot of subjects but also only just scratched the surface. We both behave within our own cultural reference points, but there's also a great richness in exploring its cliches. I see the ripples which emanate from my thoughts, and I greatly cherish the exquisite liminal space that now exists between us.
1: See, for my whole life, I've been afraid of conversations that would break my faith, but this one didn't. and. Can I just add that maybe if you feel like that, that if loving someone who sees the world from a different perspective from you breaks your faith, then maybe your faith was cracked to begin with.
2: My chats with Jerry have strengthened my shamanic spirituality and bond to the Australian desert. Because words are so powerful and permanent, I also had to reflect about my bone position before I started to inquire about his. By grasping his faith, it's affirmed mine and inspired me to speak up more for the marginalized.
1: And there's something rich about this place where conservatives and liberals, people of great faith and people of no faith, um, hundreds of lovely people and just a few jerks all come together (laughs) under the banner of a cross-cultural experience. And the, the potential for mercy is epic.
2: So, make a friend.
1: Open an umbrella.
2: Go deep and get awkward.
1: Say it wrong and then try again.
2: Get it right or don't.
1: Learn something that you don't know.
2: See people in a different way.
1: See yourself and wrestle with that. And if you need to, then say you are sorry.
2: Forgive and love someone that you didn't use to.
1: On your mark. Get set. Go. Go.
0: So it's obvious after listening for yourself about these unlikely Connections, why there was a standing ovation. In fact, today I rewatched it again for probably the 20th time and it brought tears to my eyes. So, again, thank you to Jerry and Kath for being here and for sharing your story and time with us because it is of supreme importance in the climate of polarization that we have right now. But tell me, I want to hear from you. We heard your story. We got a succinct picture of the message you were trying to send. But tell me, what moment led to this? Kath, let me hear from you. <laughs>
2: okay. Um, well, the moment really was sitting at um, FIGT in um, in The Hague and suddenly realizing that the man that I was next to was a Baptist. And all my worst kind of biases and thoughts came out. Um, as a gay person, we're generally quite wary of Baptists and, and Christians. Um, but I was, I was interested in the man that, that was, was the Baptist and we just started talking. And then he suggested that uh, after an amazing evening that we um, take this further and do something with it because it was such a profound evening for both of us.
0: Okay, Jerry, Kath is totally glossing over what really happened. Tell us what really happened. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah I was sitting there um and 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 I had the realization that this woman next to me was a lesbian which um (laughs) like that that's fine but I, I also realized this is the first conversation I had ever had and just I'm just kind of outing myself here a little bit um with a married lesbian woman um first time second time I had met one and the first time was earlier that day and um and so that, like, that's just not lost on me. I'm really aware of of who I am and where I come from, and and all of that. And it's and it just seemed like a like an opportunity to to have a good conversation. And um and and so we were just really transparent with each other. And I said, this is this is where I'm coming from, and who I am, and my history. Uh, and I and I introduced um the idea of of the mercy umbrella, which is something that I had heard from a a friend of mine, uh, who she's African-American and, and, um, and has used it extensively in racial conversations and it's, and it's worked. And it's just, the, the idea is, Hey, we're coming from different places here. Let's start with mercy and, and let's go. Um, and we did that. And I, I asked Kath if she was up for that. And, and she like, she jumped in like, absolutely. <laughs> and so we went, we went deep quick and it was really good.
0: That's really cool. It sounds like you saw an opportunity. Like, I'm sure you were just curious and wanted to ask more or what was going on. Like, what made you offer or ask for the Mercy Umbrella?
1: I think there was clearly uh, a connection before that. Like, we liked each other. Before we ever started digging digging around, Kat, into is that not even our-
0: true. That-
1: <laughs> you don't have yeah. to laugh so hard, Kath.
2: No, I, I just <laughs> butt in and actually say that's what kept me intrigued in the intrigued in the conversation is that I was aware of my own judgment coming in, but actually, I really liked Jerry and I liked his the kind of sparkle in his eye, and I, I wanted to know more and I wanted to see where it went because it felt it felt right. So.
0: Hmm, that's beautiful. So here's the thing. This all happened at the Families and Global Transition Conference in The Hague in 2018. And I was there, but I wasn't there during the conversation. No. I had I don't know what I was doing. And I rocked up to where you guys had just been talking and actually ran into Naomi Hathaway from I'm a Triangle and she was like uh something big just happened <laughs> and i didn't know why i didn't get the details but i knew it was something transformative i knew that and I'm, i knew that something had shifted deeply mm. because of your conversation and i wasn't really yeah. privy of what happened i didn't understand the implications but i was kind of mad i wasn't there for it <laughs> but i also know that would have also influenced it and then it wouldn't have happened right it sounded like it was this amazing connection that you two had where you both dropped your guard and were able to have a really honest conversation
2: yeah yeah yeah. and and i was just going to say too that naomi was there and that was one of the influential things for me in wanting to listen is that i was very aware that my guard was up instantly knowing that that he was a baptist um but I knew that he knew Naomi and I knew Naomi as a friend and I right. trusted her judgment. And I thought that there's more to this man if, if Naomi's willing to have these conversations and invited me to sit at the table. So that yeah. was a big help for the introduction. And then we started talking and then Naomi disappeared and went off to a, a dinner or something she had to go to. And she came back and we were still talking and she couldn't believe it. So she recognized something big had happened as well. Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah. from the intercultural side, I'm recognizing three things that were important for this connection to actually happen. The first was there was mercy mm-hmm. that you yeah. kind of create a framework to say, I'm going to ask some questions that might seem naive or, or forward or whatever it would be that would fa- fall under the mercy umbrella. The second mm-hmm. one is trust. You were introduced via a third party. Both of you trusted her Mm -hmm. and it sort of, I call it the dotted line triangle of trust. You trust her, he trusts her. So there was like this dotted line triangle of trust between Mm -hmm. the two of you that was there. And then the third thing was as, was a personal connection. There was this, this seeing each other as human and not demonizing the other based on all the other things that you can draw from when you look at the media and how, things are demonized in this polarized space before we move on i just you guys can decline this question but um i'm really curious what needed so much mercy like what were some of the uncomfortable (laughs) questions that you asked isn't that what stays on to what happens on tour stays on tour (laughs) (laughs)
2: i'll let i'll let jerry ask that because he was he was was opening the umbrella not me
1: yeah no I, i just i just think um in the current climate, like this is a, people are not having this conversation well, and um and and we're all we're ha- all having this conversation about other people with uh, with our circles, uh and, and so it just it just felt like even coming into it, it's not that that I wasn't ready for it or that I thought she wasn't ready for it, it's just like hey, I I realize this world that we live in. And, and so just the, just the beginning of the conversation already comes packed and loaded with, with all kinds of potential ways for it to go wrong. Um, but then as we got into it, there was plenty that, that needed mercy. Um, mm. there was like that we, we started that night is is when we kind of started digging into where I had come from and where I had been. And I'm not putting this on my circles or my people. Um, there were things in me that that I didn't like, and uh, and they were they were just I mean yucky is a nice word. They were sick, um, and 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 so that's that's a conversation you can have when everybody else around you kind of pats you on the back and says yeah, um, but when you're sitting with someone face to face and actually developing a relationship and it, like I and I'll say this kind of falling in love with that person. Um, it, it's a, it's a whole different thing. And so like the mercy was, was coming face to face with, with who I was, um, and, and just being able to go ahead and ask questions anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. And you can't, you can't otherize or demonize people that you care about.
1: It's really hard.
0: Mm-hmm. I I mean, I've seen that in my own, I, I have a very multicultural family and I've seen, that, that it's really hard to stereotype when someone that you love and is eating dinner with you at the table is from the continent that you used to stereotype or you used to yeah. demonize. Like when they become family and become right. flesh and blood, it's, it's pretty hard to do that. Yeah. Um, I think.
2: Can I, can I just say, though, I think, too, that we had a level of honesty very quickly in the conversation. And to me, that was very different, that I really valued – Jerry's honesty and just saying who he was and where he came from. And very early in that conversation, we cried together. I mean, Jerry apologised for things that the church had, had done. And I I didn't need that apology and he didn't need to do it. But it, it, even just doing that went a long way to thinking, right, I want to explore this more. And it was very important to me that nothing is going to change if I shut him down. Mm-hmm. So if he asks a okay. question, if I shut him down, he's never going to ask again. And I'm prepared to have a bit of awkwardness yeah. and a bit of difficulty. and and like if jumping in there. there stuff, um, I can have an impact, and we both. It, it, was,
1: it was just really rich. Like I've never that. had this experience where there. Um, I did apologize for things the church has done. I, I apologized for things I had done, and and at the same time, like she allowed me to hold the space of not apologizing for um, things that people believe and and a belief system, and and we could still we could hold those things separately. Um, and because I'm not apologizing for anyone else I'm not um, I, I'm not putting this on to anyone else I'm acknowledging uh, the the impact Sorry, that I'm my actions speech. have had okay. and where my actions were wrong mm-hmm. and um, and so it's it's not about trying to To get everyone to believe the same thing it's about people who who may believe different things or may discover that they don't believe as differently as they thought they did regardless coming into the same space and shutting up and listening and having a conversation and that's when it gets really 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 rich um it's it's not about agreeing on everything it's about just kind of encouraging and respecting each other regardless.
0: I find that hard to do. Like when I value something and I think something is right, it's really hard, uh, emotionally to stay in that space.
1: Right. How do you, Yeah, I think everybody finds that hard to do, which is why we don't do it Mm -hmm. and, and why we Why why this argument or why this why this conversation starts with an argument, generally and typically speaking, because we do bring emotion to it and um, it's it is it is high values and that's um, it's really hard to get past. But I, I think there's potential for that to happen.
0: Okay, so one of the things that Kath did well here is not shut Jerry down, especially in the context of politically, you can hear a lot of negative news around the what is it, the Westboro Baptists with messages of hate. So how Kath stood in an openness, um, despite that bigger political climate is is impressive, right? Especially when you're coming from a minority identity that has struggled with oppression and labels your whole life, right? So let's let's fast forward. You had this night it was fun. We heard in the audio about, you know, thanks for the good evening and everybody laughs. And it could be so easy to just really go home and have it be that. But the journey continued. So what happened next?
2: Well, we we started to email, well, actually before we left the conference, Jerry said mm-hmm. to me, um, how do you feel about public speaking? And I said, well, I'm absolutely fine, no problems. And he said, I've got an idea for next year. And so we had a very brief chat um, about what what that could be, but no real form to it. Um, And then we just started emailing each other. And the depth of the conversation continued massively. Um, And I created a file on my computer that was called The Baptist and the Lesbian. And we started emailing each other. And it was started... It was there was no strict routine to it. It was just how and when we felt like it. But we covered some really important subjects about um, sexuality, about politics, about religion, about faith, all kinds of stuff. And there was something I don't know about how Jerry felt, but for me, there was something beautiful about having the written word because it gave me time to really think about what I wanted to say and actually have it recorded and have it there to re go over and see how my views had changed
0: over time as well. What about you, Jerry? How, yeah. what happened afterwards for you?
1: Yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't care for it. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it was. It did you see we
0: just didn't laugh at your joke? <laughs> I know, that Phil <laughs> did <dead by> <laughs> We're not going to it. bite.
1: <laughs> it's all why. <my>, um, <laughs> no, it was, it was, it was deep and we would, like, and we would, like she said, not on a schedule, but we would, these emails would come back and forth and I would get really excited when an email would come from her, but I, I also knew that I was going to have to like cut out a part of my day um, because the email is going to be long. We like we write these volumes, um, but also just the processing that goes along with it, and and then to respond to it, like we're responding to all these different pieces, and um, and we would we would go deep, and it was just really, really, really refreshing um, to have a space where like there was. There was nothing that I couldn't ask, that I couldn't say. There was there was no um, there was no way for this to go wrong because I knew that if I did, the the mercy umbrella was still open and we could we could clean it up later. Um, and that and that that continues for us, I think.
2: Mm, yeah, I agree.
0: So I, maybe I'm wrong, but when I hear this story, I hear that there's a lot of um, undoing of ideas from the background of religion, right? And making sense of that. And I'm wondering f- for you, Kath, what changed for you when it came to understanding religion? Um,
2: I guess, I guess... Up until meeting Jerry, i would had fairly I'd be honest and say fairly intolerable views of Christianity. Um and I'd had some experience of local churches. Um but in my head the kind of the idea of a Baptist was the worst because to me it was like Westboro Baptist Church. And by talking to Jerry and having these emails, it allowed me to realize the layers that exist within um these various denominations and that it was very easy just to lump everyone in together. And even though Jerry, I mean, we kind of put these labels on ourselves and Jerry was the Baptist within that, there was a lot of multitude for, um, for mercy and also for realizing that there are so many different variants of whatever someone thinks someone is. And actually it just comes down to people and whether he was a Baptist or whether he was whatever, to me, he was just Jerry, and I was really enjoying the conversation. So, mm-hmm. right. almost the religion didn't come into it. It just, to me, it became a an intellectual, a kind of almost an emotionally intelligent conversation that I thoroughly enjoyed because I wasn't having that depth of conversation with other people.
0: Mm-hmm. You dropped the lumpen label, mm-hmm. right? And I have I'm going to speak. A- from my perspective, one thing that happened to me, I remember when I was in my master's program for intercultural communication, I a principle of intercultural communication is to look at people's values with neutrality and not judge, et cetera. And that's what I was training in terms of my profession. And I remember the day when I realized I'm going to be open and accepting of every, everyone unless you're... Like a Republican <laughs> and a missionary, yeah. and I'm like, "How does that work sunday? and um, And I say that because I understand how silly that is, but i I realized that because one of my best friends during my master's program was a Republican mm-hmm. who was becoming a missionary. <laughs> and i was like "Oh, okay (laughs) you're not the other anymore like i can't be open to everybody else except people like you right that lump and label felt Mm. really good like that righteous indignation Mm. i Mm. am right and you are wrong Mm. it feels good yeah it's a very safe
2: position to sit in to and to kind of project yourself into this position of comfort where you can put like big pegs in the ground and hold yourself steady in that view. But, but I think also what I find as someone of, in a marginalized group is that we so often have labels thrown at us that actually what I really enjoyed was this, was the reclaiming of our label. And actually yeah. we had quite a lot of fun with just the Baptist and the lesbian, and we still joke with it now. And sure. there's, I have no issue with the label because it, we gave it to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Right. And the labels, the labels themselves don't, I I think even Kath said this in, in the speech, you know, they don't, we're, we're more than that. Right. We're um, like Baptist is my heritage. Baptist doesn't, I haven't, I haven't pastored a Baptist church for years. Um, I haven't attended frequently a Baptist church for years, Um, but it, it, it kind of, for us, it embodies and it embraces and it, it, it puts some parameters around a group of people that um, I connect with in my heritage, that I still connect with, that um, are the circles that I've I've lived in and continue to live in, um, th- those people are broader than just the term Baptist. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in fact, some of them would would hate to be called Baptist because they're not. Um, mm-hmm. But it gives us a space to come together and to have the conversation. And certainly, lesbian doesn't sum up cath, right? There's so much more. Trust me, there's so much more <laughs> to get to cath than that. Um, but it just gives us a little bit of a bucket to put things in, so that yeah. we can we can carry things for a little bit and and then get into the broader scope of who we are. Mm.
0: Yeah. So tell me, um, why did you do it? <laughs> because he asked me <laughs> no I I'm
2: I'm not someone it's probably what Jerry alluded to I'm not someone that sits back and is quiet and I'm now <laughs> in a <laughs> you don't laugh so hard I'm not <laughs> I'm um, having had my own issues with coming out and receiving people's responses and various things um, I'm now in a position where I'm 100% comfortable with myself and who I am and actually what anyone says isn't going to be a real problem. Um but there's an awful lot of people that aren't in that position and there's kids that commit suicide because they can't be who they are and there's a lot of stuff thrown at people that's not healthy and I feel that I have a responsibility to be visible because you never know who needs to hear you and it can be the minutest thing where I've often been in conferences or in rooms where I've spoken up and Someone, they won't say anything at the time, but they then come to me later and say, thank you for speaking up. My sister's gay or my brother's gay. And um, it was just really nice to hear that, that viewpoint. So for mm-hmm. me, it's about being that visible person. Mm-hmm. But,
0: and it's you know, not about, I mean, this is what I know from our broader conversations, Kath, is it's not about the topic of sexual orientation. It is about the topic of marginalized identity. And yeah, yeah. this is only one of many marginalized identity Mm. that Mm. has that these daily microaggressions have real life implications on someone's, uh, self-confidence, safety, so many things, right? So it's this, this podcast, the video, all of that, it's not around, it's bigger than accepting sexual orientation or it's bigger than, you know, opening up to a religion. It's about let's, let's look at this dynamic mm. that goes yeah, on well, mhm
2: exactly and that was something that Jerry and I discussed that i hadn't expected at all was that in my eyes Jerry's kind of background was the majority but actually we realized that there were similarities that we we were at both different poles uh-huh. of the the ends of the pole basically and that actually we'd both had marginalized experiences in different ways through mm-hmm. different judgments yeah. and i would never have said that once about The baptist (laughs) right
1: right jerry what did you do it well uh, yeah just jumping into that part of the conversation i think there's this reality that's that's oftentimes missed um is that yes there's the marginalized and there are the marginalizers um but then we we lump both of those into massive groups and then just stereotype both of them. And so when there is opportunity for people and like I represent and I get it, I represent the marginalizer in, in this particular conversation, right? I am straight white American Christian male. Um, that's (laughs) like across that's all the checks, right? That's everything. (laughs) Um, but that, what that means though, is that typically speaking, when I come to a conversation like this, um, I, I, I've, because of where the marginalizers have been, I have, I don't have a space at that table. I don't have a voice in that, and I, and I get it. Like it's and it's fair, and I I realize we have to earn that back, and I I, I see the fuller narrative. Um, but what the beauty of what happened here, and this is what's different than the bigger conversation, the beauty of what happened here is that Kath gave me the space. Um, to go ahead and talk and to go ahead and listen. And we and we found that, but it happened one-on-one. And it like I was just thinking as an illustration, it's almost like you have a match and and you can light the match and there's so much potential in that to do something really good. You can you can start a campfire, you can cook some things, there's really good opportunity there. And you can bring two matches together and and it's good. But the broader conversation is is kind of like Taking a match to a forest fire and and trying to throw it in—it's it's already burning; it's out of control. Mm-hmm. You have no influence or say, and you just get burned up in the process. And I think what we did was come together with our matches and put them together and and come out with something productive.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it had a massive impact. I mean, uh, I want to hear more about the impact that this conversation had one at the Families in Global Transition Conference in Bangkok, where it went live first, and since. So, uh, Kath, will you tell me an example of a, of impact that you've noticed it's had either on yourself or on others?
2: Yeah, um, I guess for me, the impact was incredibly immediate. Um, after we'd, we'd spoken, um, someone came up to me at the conference who I'd had lunch with the previous day, um, and he was a a Christian man who worked in a Christian organization in Southeast Asia. And he came up to me and he said, I've just realized that you spoke in non-gendered specific language when you talked about your wife. And he said, I've just realized. And I said, yeah, I did. And he said, that's just, he he just couldn't believe it. And he just said, you're awesome. And he said, this is amazing. And thank you. And he was just <laughs> really moved by it all. So for that yeah. immediate impact, that's been the biggest for me. And I didn't expect the standing ovation at all. I mean, I was completely gobsmacked. Um, but since then, it's been, since then, it's been kind of quiet. I've had quite a few interesting conversations with people. Um, but I think probably the impact's been bigger in, in Jerry's circles. I'm not really sure. Jerry? Well,
1: for me, like, yeah, like, I don't know exactly what gobsmacking is, but I think I, think I probably was.
2: <laughs> Sorry, that's an Australian... <laughs> Australianism <laughs> it sounds like no. It, it, it makes total <laughs> sense. Shot, um- shot.
1: <laughs> no, it was it was instant. It was right after the speech. People came up to both of us, and 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 I think what was the most uh, what was the most powerful piece of that is that it was universal. There were um, very conservative Christians. Uh, who were moved by that. There were um, there, like people came up and said, hey, I'm an atheist, but wow. Like w- mm. what you just said was, was powerful. Um, there were Christians, non-Christians, missionaries um, and researchers. <laughs> it, it, it was, it was mm. just, we found that space and that's what we looked for. That's what, that's and we worked hard to get there. Kath and I mm. did like talking through this and we knew the space that we wanted to land in. It wasn't agenda driven. It wasn't to be, to to have a speech that was one side or the other, it was to say, um, this is beautiful and this is what happened. And I, and I think we found it. And, and since then, um, the amount of really, really powerful conversations that I've been able to have. Um, and, and again, with people of faith and, and, uh, and people who reject any of that, that any of that exists even, um, it's, it's been really amazing. I've, I've never, uh, I've never experienced something that put me into a space to be so well set up to, to have, um, really life-changing conversations. And, and that continues. And I, I love that. That's, that's, that's what I'm about and that's what I hope for. And it's what I've always hoped for, but this is, uh, created that space in a, in a way that nothing else ever has.
0: I know the impact on me, um, besides like the snotty mess right after (laughs) the standing ovation, (laughs) um, is just this hope that we can have different kinds of conversations. You know, this, this idea, I mean, I rhetoric in college, And the whole point is to win a debate, right? We're trained to win and we're trained to have good arguments. And for me, it was like, let's, let's do this differently. And what is possible when we do dialogue, when we are opening the mercy umbrella And are standing in a space of humility and curiosity. Um, So that's what really inspired me. And since then, I've had conversations um, within my own family and outside of my family circle that have been distinctly different because I was able to tap back into that space. Um, So I'm even showing up differently um, in situations that would normally trigger me. And I'm noticing if impact is important to me, I'm noticing that those kind of conversations are having a more constructive impact. So thank you to both of you for being such role models um, of that and how to do it differently.
2: Yeah. Well, it was a pleasure to, to meet Jerry that night and to now call him a friend. And, and I think one of the, the key things that made it work also was that we were not trying to change each other. We were actually just listening to each other and kind of talking and debating in the sense of not needing to convert each other. And that gave us space to be vulnerable and then actually kind of cry together and realize that that Uh. we could keep talking um, and be vulnerable and open with each other.
0: So I'm going to ask you both um, as we come to a close here, what do you hope people take away from these unlikely connections? Jerry.
1: Um, that, it, that's a, that's a really hard question. Um, although like I'll, I'll frame it like this. I know what I have gotten out of this. And so I, I, I guess it's, it's honest to say that I hope that happens for other people as well. Um, and, and for me, it has been the um, the longest, hardest look in the mirror that that I've ever had, um, and it's it's caused me to uh, to look at myself, to look at my actions, to look at my history, my heritage, um, everything, and and that is a that is a good thing. Like that is, I, I feel like so much of what we're coasting on is because we just haven't looked at ourselves for a long time. And, um, and I, the, the piece that has stood out, and I, I want to get this in there. Um, the piece that has stood out to me is that as Kath and I began our emails and as we talked, like I, I went, it was a deep dive into my childhood. Um, and I, that that came out in the speech is just like this is how I grew up these are the things that I said and I even like I actually did write a song to be funny among my friends um, that ended in violence uh, towards towards homosexuals and I I didn't know how I got there And for me, the the concept of where I was at that point, we heard a lot about immorality at that at that stage in my life, but immorality was always built around sexual action, and there was a lot of warning for us. And I mean, they got teenagers coming up, and there's uh, there's all of that talk, but that's how immorality was defined. Um, And I I don't even get through this thought without choking up, so forgive me if that happens, but. I just recognize there's something about a fourteen year old who is in that space in his head that is absolutely immoral. Yes. And so my hope is is I guess for other people that that we can we can broaden our definitions to include ourselves a little bit um, and and to and to it, i'm I'm not even getting into the space. I don't want to get into the space of arguing about what people believe. Um, but man, Mm -hmm. when you're, when your actions in your life are in direct, contrary action to, to what's being said there, um, something's, something's off. And so it's been really painful and really good for me. Mm
0: -hmm. Jerry, just Mm -hmm. the fact that you share that and are able to speak that, I I just want to say thank you. And that's the kind of courage Mm -hmm. that both of you, uh, showed Mm -hmm. in your speech. And that story is in all of us. It's different, there are different characters, different settings, but that story takes place. I'm certain because we are human and we are socialized and we are socialized to see other, right? I'm better, they're worse, right? This is higher in the hierarchy, that's lower. That if we dug deep in each of our souls, we would find a story. And it might be about a different group or a different continent or a different, I don't know what, but we've got those stories. And that's one of the things that I admire most about your courage to say, listen, this was my story. What about yours? And whether you articulate in front of thousands of people or you just say it to yourself, that is, that's massive. Hmm. Kath? what would you like to leave our audience
2: with? I think one of the biggest things for me was the kind of stuff that Jerry's just shared there is the level of the conversations that we were having. Um, I felt a huge compassion for him because he was being really hard on himself about his childhood. And I realized how painful it was for him. And for me to be able to give him the space to explore that felt like a um a gift in a way that that, mm-hmm. that I knew that, that he needed and that he he wanted. Um and I think for me it goes back to rather than being othered all the time is actually when you meet people is just to try and see yourself in every single person that you meet. So you don't other them and you, you see them as someone who's like you. And I think um as a a kind of a, a group in the marginalized group in the community it's so often that I'm labeled or people assume things I mean a really odd thing I don't know why but as a lesbian people always think I'm vegetarian <laughs> I've no idea why <laughs> and I usually come back with a line that I won't say on on air um but, but as a result Jerry I'll w- tell you what
0: it is <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: yeah I'm not I'll tell you later um but but Jerry didn't go down that route and he, he genuinely wanted to know things and he was asking from a position that I could tell was from huge intellectual and emotional um, breaking down of his own position and trying to really genuinely understand. And that to me went a long way. So the fact that you see people for who they are and you really find out who they are rather than lumping in. And so for me, my mantra is
0: basically... Just see every see yourself and everybody that you meet. It's so simple. It's so simple, but it's probably one of the hardest things you can ask someone to do. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it yeah. is. Mm. It is. So thank you for being here. Um, it's Lisa. been an honor to have you both share your story.
1: Yeah, thank you for doing this. This is yeah. good. And share the backstory. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Thank you. And um, yeah, thank so you. the challenge to the audience who's listening it, are two things. One. The next interaction that you have with someone where you notice righteous indignation pop up or lumping and labeling to just practice in that moment to see the humanity or yourself in this person. And the other challenge that I offer to everyone listening, the next time you're in an opportunity or a conversation with someone where you're really focused on the difference and struggling with finding similarities that you ask for a mercy umbrella. Now that was a treat, wasn't it? To have both Kath and Jerry join us and share their journey that lasted over a year and have touched hundreds of people deeply and transformed conversations around the globe. They agreed to come on Expat Happy Hour with a hope that all three of us share that will help transform some of your conversations. I'll pull out some things from the interview that I'm left with. Three things that needed to be there to make that powerful conversation happen were mercy, trust, and a personal connection. So the next time you're in a challenging conversation, or you see an opportunity, pull out the mercy umbrella. The other theme that comes up, and I'm going to be frank here, is shut up and listen. (laughs) How many times have we been thinking how we're going to respond instead of actually coming from a place of listening? Especially those of us who come from privileged positions, places of power and dominance historically, What if we did more listening than talking? What if we opened the mercy umbrella and said, hey, here's a naive question. Do you mind? How do we stand in openness? Also, those who come from marginalized groups, open a space where learning can happen. That is a tough one because if you are completely fatigued from the battle of injustice you might not have the energy to do that. And what we saw modeled by Kath was that for that moment, in that context, she trusted her instinct and was able to allow that space to keep the questions coming and the learning happening. This modeling of conversation invites us all to broaden our definitions to include ourselves and how we can show up differently in dialogue. These are rich conversations and I hope that you go out and courageously have your own. And I promise you there's more to come on expat happy hour. Stay tuned as this episode launches a series of interviews where we will explore unlikely connections, identity, And have powerful, honest, and sometimes gut-wrenching conversations about our own biases. If you're listening to this, you're likely living a global life. And you're likely connecting across cultures. And I know we can do better. I am on fire about raising the bar on how we experience our lives abroad and how we interact with others who are similar and different from ourselves. And as part of that, I've got something I'm working on, especially for those of you who are coaches and practitioners who serve the expat community. If you want to learn more, I've got something brewing that I can't wait to share with you. So check out in the show notes because I've got a first-to-know list for you. And I'll make sure to give you the details when they're ready if you are with me, on raising the bar on how we approach our lives abroad and how we support others to do the same. You've been listening to Expat Happy Hour with Sunday Schneider Bean. Thank you for listening. I'll leave you with the words of Maya Angelou. Do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better.